Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Oh, it's his birthday today. It's producer Daniel's birthday. Yeah. Nice. Won't say how old he is, but. <laughs> How old do you reckon Damon is? That's a good Well, I know how old he is because Philip just told, told me. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> how old do you think he is? Well, he's had a successful touring career as a musician. Uh-huh. He looks pretty good considering. He looks in yeah, very, so. very good nick. Plays tennis, works out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's from the placebo era because he's best friends with placebo. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, 39? He'll yeah. like that. Hiya. He'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll be like happy. that. He'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's enough of that. Joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football podcast is Dan Burke. Hello. Lewis Ambrose. Hello. And late season debutant Philip Costa. Good morning. The usual email if you want to get in touch is podcast at onefootball.com. Get your, all your questions in there. Or should you wish. You can get onto iTunes, give the pod a rating, and leave a comment to let us know how you think we're doing. Dan, are you okay? I'm fine. Yeah? This is going to be cathartic, don't worry. I'll probably be crying by the end of it, but maybe we all will be. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like a therapy session yeah, for you. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I'm on the chaise lounge over here, so... Oh, that's a picture, isn't it? <laughs> Dan all sparked out on a chaise lounge. I need a really, really long chaise lounge for You Dan. would. Over 200 centimetres. Draw me like one of you French girls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, holy shit. Can somebody explain what happened last night? Anybody? Uh, we'll say he went to Anfield again, and this tends to happen when we go to Anfield. Why Anfield? I don't know what it is. I really don't know. I mean, every single time City play at Anfield, I convince myself that we can't possibly be as bad as we were last time, and if anything, we're getting worse. Like, that was... Probably worse than the four three in in January. Um, yeah, just very very disappointing performance from City. Really, just let the game slip away from them in the first leg, and it's going to be a really big ask for them to pull it back in the second leg now, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah quite a big, quite a big thing yeah. if they can do it. But maybe maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later. Mm. Lewis. Uh, yeah, it was quite interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know Liverpool completely seemed to stunt City and the way they play and it was just the, the most I don't think that was a shock because we've seen them do it before and other Klopp we've seen Klopp's teams do it against other teams in big games but then City had no response at all no alternative ways of approaching the game and that was the big surprise I think Was the result a surprise for you Phil? I think the result was yeah but it was more how the game actually panned out because Pep made quite a conscious decision to put Gundogan in on the right and Laporte in at left back and maybe that threw them off because it went away from what's been working well so well you know for the whole season and I think they weren't quite sure how to play and, and react after that like Lewis said so in some ways it was a, it was a surprise in terms of the result but I think the way it panned out was more pressing for for city in general that Gundogan question that's that's one I'm interested mm. in Dan playing him ahead of Sterling on the right where Liverpool ended up making so much hay yeah 
Yeah. In, in hindsight, it's it's a very odd decision, I think. Yeah, it was a massive clangor from Pep that I think. Um, I mean, to, to sort of play a system that you've never, I've never seen him play that system in the whole time he's been City's manager. So to just introduce it to a big game like that was a bit dangerous, and as it proved, and I, I can understand why he perhaps didn't play Sterling because Sterling has a a, um, a punch on for freezing when he goes to Anfield. You know, the crowd get on his back, and he, he doesn't really like it. Oh, he had a clangor um, the last time as well, too. Yeah, didn't he? of yeah. course, yeah. Um, but maybe Bernardo Silva would have been the be- the best choice in that case. Play him on the right, cutting in from the from the right, um, and Laporte. I don't think he had a terrible game, but I think maybe Fabian Delph might have been a little bit better suited to, to playing left back in that game as well. So, yep, all round, a uh, bit of a clusterfuck, really. Yeah, Jonathan Liu had a nice uh, summary of it in The Independent. He said, City bickering amongst themselves in the centre circle with all the puny rage of fishermen arguing how best to push back to the sea. <laughs> uh, seemed to sum it up. I mean, back in the dressing room after the game, I'm wondering which players will be thinking they really let their team down last night? Everyone, really. Everyone had a bad game for City. Even David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, who you can always rely on. They were all poor. Gabriel Jesus was isolated up front. Um, they lost the game in midfield. Fernandinho wasn't at his best. Defensively, they were poor. It was 2015 Otamendi we saw last night a lot. There was a, a lot of rash challenges and sort of bad positioning from him. And It's my favourite version of Otamendi. <laughs> it's not my favourite. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anyone anyone had a good game at all. In fact, the one player who I thought did okay was Sterling when he came on. Sané had a shocker. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever seen Sané have. I mean, a, another game. thing to say is, um, I'm, I sort of looked at Liverpool's team before the game and, and thought Trent Alexander-Arnold would be their weak link. I thought he was absolutely superb. Mm. I thought both of Liverpool's fullbacks were superb. Yeah, Andy Robertson as well had a great game. Yeah, he did. Evan Fannin was tweeting, mad how the world's top three footballers are Messi, Ronaldo and Andy Robertson. <laughs> Thought of it summed it up quite well. Yeah. One of the curious things for me down during the match was, I was 3-0 down after however many minutes it was. 30 minutes it was. Yeah. Uh, and Pep didn't change anything. No. It's just, why not? I, just, yeah. I, didn't, I don't quite get that. When me and Lewis watched it together and I said that at half time, the second half when they came out and he'd not changed anything. I was like, what has he seen in that first half that's working? Because nothing's working. And City, all right, they dominated the game in the second half. Um, or they dominated the ball, rather. Because um, Liverpool were just content to sit back on their, their 3-0 lead, which I thought was a little bit dangerous from Liverpool's perspective. Because an me. away goal might have changed everything. And, and as it turned out, City should have had an away goal, really. That that one that was um, wrongly disallowed for offside. But I don't think City necessarily deserved it. You're pulling a face there. You don't think that was... I thought, that was, I, re- I thought that was offside. Am I wrong? I don't think it was. I don't know. Phil shit sort of... Phil sort of wavering. It was a, I, I don't begrudge the linesman for giving it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that's All fair. the calls in that game were, were tight. There were a few from, from Sané as well. And the Salah one was difficult. So. The first one? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think they're really marginal. On uh, Just quickly on Guardiola not changing anything. What yeah. I found particularly weird is um, he had three centre-backs on the pitch. And he quite, it's not something he's not used before, especially at Barcelona, at Bayern Munich. He quite easily could have sort of shoved Walker up a little bit and gone to a back three, a back five, whatever you want to call it, with Sané and Walker on the wings. But even that, like even just, he had Laporte sitting right there playing left back and it would have been a real simple change to try something different and there was no attempt at all. You're weird from a coach who was so 
obviously forward thinking that he just wouldn't yeah. do something and like that. he wouldn't like change a, anything a lot of coaches don't change things during the game but he's one who like he quite often in big games sets out his team quite badly to start with but then within 10 minutes then they change somebody changes position with someone else mm-hmm. and, and they see what's going wrong and they figure it out mm-hmm. so yeah I think from other coaches you'd sort of expect it but from him it was particularly weird just another point on Guardiola as well I didn't realise before last night quite how bad his record um, away in knockout uh, European competition is. Oh, yeah. I think he's he's won two out of fifteen away knockout games oh, in his career. That's not good. Yeah, got drawn it. drawn seven, lost eight, or something like that. Yeah, that five right? five wins, ten draws, and nine defeats now. And wow. as a friend pointed out to me, none of this nonsense about it being over in the first leg. Set, uh, Eighteen of those twenty six games were first legs, so he then had to go back home and rescue it. Hmm. Did the bus incident beforehand have any effect on the players? Um, I would like to think not. I mean, they said it. They said it didn't. Yeah, I think Bush. the atmosphere in general did because it, it's always a factor, isn't it? When you you go to a ground like that and the crowd are, you know, the, the Liverpool fans were superb last night, and I saw the footage that the Liverpool fans were ta- the Liverpool players were taking from their bus. Yeah, and it looked it looks magnificent, um, and that's obviously going to inspire you. Um, more of that is what I would say well yeah maybe yeah. without the cracking the windows things but yeah, the flares and everything that was uncalled like for wasn't it but yeah I, I, I imagine it probably did have an effect on City that yeah okay so. well yeah like I said company and De Bruyne were talking afterwards but I can't see how it wouldn't have an they effect they would say that yeah though, exactly yeah. They, I, I guess they can't <laughs> say that it did impact them but yeah. they, they're human after all and yeah. you've got people smashing windows right next to your head an hour before a huge football match it's not going to help like if somebody did that when we were walking over to the podcast I think it would affect my performance <laughs> uh, one player has seven assists so far in the Champions League this season three more than any other player do you know who it is? Salah. James Milner James Milner James Milner. <laughs> God, he was good last night, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah. You know who else was good? That Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain player. Mm. I mean, I worry, what, what was Wenger doing with them? All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. he's a good central midfielder. No. no? Well, no, he is a good... He was good last he's, night. He's a good player and he was good last night. But I think playing 30 times a season for Arsenal, he played like that five times a season. It's the other 25 that are the problem. And I don't uh, think it's been enormously different at Liverpool. He had a great game against City. Was it January? The, the 4-3? Yeah. Um, he had a great game against City last night. He's had a couple of other good games. And the rest, he still doesn't have an impact, I think. Okay. Uh, not that he doesn't have an impact, but he struggles to get that consistently. And I was saying to Dan last night, actually, just I think we take for granted the small margins that these games are won and lost on and that effort from Oxlade Chamberlain, how many times has he hit the ball from out there this season and it's gone in once? It just happened to be on the night that it was the Champions League quarterfinal and, <laughs> not, when they're, was good, and not when they're already 4 new off against Swansea or something. It's going I mean, twice, actually. The other one was against City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was already in the back of the net before um, Ederson yeah. Yeah. Um, made his dive. City were, wow. City were kicking off before Edison was back off the ground, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to say at this stage, I don't like to gloat, but I did tip Liverpool to beat Manchester City. And my wife last night tipped Liverpool to win 3 0. Maybe we'll have her on the podcast next did time. Did she put any money on that? No. We're not a gambling family, <laughs> is what I would say. A couple of questions from uh, the listeners. Oliver Traceler, how good is Mo Salah? Very good. <laughs> I think it's pretty much the answer. Although I didn't think he was that good last night. 
they went off injured as well, didn't he? Which yeah. I thought might uh, give City a glimmer of hope for the second leg. And uh, it seemed that he, well, Klopp, I think, said after the game that it's nothing serious, didn't he? So Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah. Elsewhere, Marcel Bartowski. Hey, lads, big fan of the pod. He's from Ohio. Listen to it every Friday on his way to university. My question is, what are Liverpool's chances of qualifying to the semis after that amazing home game? <laughs> I myself think it's far from over. Rest yeah. assured, Marcel. <laughs> I don't think it's over, but I think their chances are pretty good. It'll be an enormous turnaround from City. Yeah. I, I can't imagine for one second City keeping a clean sheet. So I think a <clears throat> away goal would have been so valuable and they couldn't get it. So it's it's looking very bleak, unfortunately. Okay. Liverpool through then. It's looking that way. Another team going through surely are Real Madrid. Now, Lewis, you did a top 10 Champions League goals of all time yesterday. That Ronaldo goal only made it to number three. Was he wrong? Should it have been higher? No, I think it was. Oh, okay. I think the occasion, the technique itself and the reaction was just a perfect blend of, you know, it was, it was an amazing sight to watch. Um, and, you know, there were certain character flaws in Ronaldo that you can sort of hold against him but you know that was just a brilliant piece of, of football and and the Juve fans even after they were giving him stick just a few minutes before I think you can't not applaud some some talent like that so I think three is perfectly reasonable Ashley Barnes scored one just like it like four days ago Peter Crouch they've all done it can I can I be a curmudgeon and say I didn't think it was that good yeah go on I just think it's sort of we live in a very hyperbolic age, don't we? And I think like when I was on I was on Twitter like during the game, and everyone was going wild about this goal, and I hadn't seen it yet because my stream was a little bit behind. So I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be amazing!" And then when it happened, I was like, "All right, that is very good, but it's not the greatest goal of all time, is it?" I don't think. Oh, it's not the greatest goal of all time. But what's so amazing is that he starts so far over, mm. has to move in a very particular way, then gets to 2.3 metres in the air to score the goal. Mm-hmm. That's even taller than you, Dan. <laughs> That's pretty high. That's true, yeah. I, th- I think everything that... was perfect, wasn't it? The, how many times do we... Like, how many times do we see a goal like that? Well, hardly ever. But when you see a volley or an overhead kick or something like that, how many times is it shinned or the connection mm-hmm. isn't quite right? Or it, you know, it, goes in the, it goes in the middle of the goal. Like, he caught it absolutely perfectly. It's gone right in the top corner. Yeah. It was amazing. Made Buffon look very ordinary too, didn't it? Even it though Buffon's on the right side of the goal to stop it, he couldn't do anything about it. I don't think anyone saw it coming. It shocked Ronaldo. <laughs> Is that why his celebration was so mooted? I think it was part of it. Yeah. We said this yesterday, a goal so good that Ronaldo was humbled by it. That's a... Yeah, that's that's <laughs> something else. I think maybe that and the, the Juve fans as well. Yeah. yeah. Applauding him. He's now scored 463 goals since he left Manchester United in 2009. 463. That's and he's still not, still not even the best player of his generation. <laughs> <laughs> don't start. I'm, going back to your chromogeny thing, I don't think it's the best bicycle kick I've ever seen. I've got some, some examples. Of, of okay, well, you go, you go first and we'll see if I've got the same list. All right, so Zlatan against England. Oh, there you go. I think okay. it was, be- was better. Yeah. Uh, did you see Zlatan what Zlatan had to say about it I did yeah, yeah. I think do was, it from 40 yards yeah. and come back to me yeah uh, Rivaldo v Valencia oh that was yeah. a good one from the edge of the area for a hat trick yeah. as well that one I think I think, I think it, it was, was. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah no, I think it was uh, Ronaldinho v Villarreal yeah. when he did it on his chest and sort yeah. of swivelled yeah and I think the ultimate 
overhead kick is Trevor Sinclair yes. against Barnsley for QPR. Oh, that I is amazing. Well. I watched it about four or five times in a row yesterday. Yeah. Dreadlocked Trevor Sinclair. Yeah. Was it dreadlocked? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was back when him and Danny Dicchio were the sort of, um, is it Danny Dicchio? It was Danny Dicchio, were the sort of the cool QPR lads. And (laughs) Dicchio was DJing at a nightclub somewhere in London. I remember reading about this in Match Magazine. Those two were like the very cool dudes. But that's a whole generational thing that none of our listeners will have ever heard of. So we'll skip on pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, Can someone explain to me why Real Madrid can look so average in La Liga but make Juventus look like a bunch of amateurs in the Champions League. It's it's astounding. How can they, they do this? They turn it on. Most teams are like, oh yeah, winning the league is the big thing. You do it 38 games every week. You've got to perform. Real Madrid seem to be going more and more to the other extent. Like They would rather win the Champions League. I think they've won, what, two league titles in like 10 years? They don't really care about it that much. Um, but for them, winning the Champions League is everything and I don't know how much of a, a part that plays you think that they buy into the whole history of a yeah of I think all? so I think they they feel like it's their stage and they just own it they do they really do it's amazing the amount of times I've gone Real Madrid have no chance in this Champions League tie and then they've come out and just smashed whoever they were playing mm-hmm. astounding uh, elsewhere I'd like to talk about Paolo Dybala and his red card these young kids, <laughs> these young kids. Oh, he's a talented player, but I'm not sure he can cope with the pressure. You're all looking at me blankly. I think, I think he, he can. There was his first season at Juve, he was often the guy to pop up with a last minute goal or, you know, banging a free kick from 25 yards. I think, I think yesterday was more born out of, or when it was Tuesday, it was just more born out of frustration than anything because Juve didn't really have that much going for them up front. I mean, Kadira was replacing Pjanic, but he wasn't really, he's not the the player that's going to craft something from nothing. He's more of an engine. You know, uh, they had Ben Tancur in, in midfield who wasn't terrific either. So the supply line was limited anyway. And I think just not being able to have any effect on the game. I mean, Casemiro didn't didn't leave his side for, for 90 minutes. And I think, you know, the first booking was, was you know, it was a, a dive that, that, that didn't really have any excuse, but I thought he was a bit unlucky for the second one. I mean, he was looking at the ball the whole time and it was just Carver Howe came in quickly. I mean, it's a foul. It's a, it's a yellow, I think. And, you know, it, it, he didn't really cost his side because I don't think they were up to that the level of Real throughout the whole game at all. But, you know, it is becoming an issue because petulance, you need to learn quickly at, at the top level. And I think this, this will be a good lesson for him. And I think Allegri... We'll let him know as well, and other players will notice that. And they will, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it. interesting to see how he reacts from from now to the end of the season. Okay, elsewhere, Bayern won two one. Now, when we were talking about this in the preview a few episodes ago, we were a few episodes ago, we were a bit dismissive of Sevilla, thinking it would be an easy game for the German side. It wasn't really though, was it? Uh, it wasn't. I don't know how much of that is that Sevilla better than people think uh, Bayern are much much worse than people think well that's an interesting question um, the, the Bundesliga is awful and Bayern are walking away with it but any team that attacks them in the Bundesliga especially at home it's harder to go to Munich and do it any team that attacks them looks like they might be able to beat them and then inevitably don't but they look like they might be able to and that's exactly what we saw again with Sevilla the Sevilla side that has been 
battered by good and bad teams in La Liga this season. A Sevilla side that couldn't create anything against the Man United side that didn't have any interest in actually playing the game and just sort of let them have the ball and attack as much as they wanted. And Bayern were completely shell-shocked. Um, Joaquin Correa and uh, Sarabia in the first half an hour or so were running them ragged. Sarabia should have scored a goal before he did score the opener. Um, yeah, and Hank has picked the wrong team. He picked Arturo Vidal instead of James Rodriguez. The game turned instantly as soon as Vidal actually got injured. But I don't know what he expected if he thought this would be a fight in midfield and he wanted Vidal for that instead of the craft of James and Thiago and just completely controlling things. Keep the ball and you'll create chances and not concede many. And and be- I'm not sure why Bayern thought the blood and thunder of Vidal was a better approach for this game. And immediately after Hammers come on, they... I think it was his first touch, he set up the goal instantly. The goal. Changed um, it completely. The whole midfield looked different, the whole team looked different from there. But I don't think this Bayern team, we said it, uh, actually, we said it in the office after watching Bayern beat Dortmund 6-0 on Saturday. I don't think this Bayern team touches the Bayern team that Heinke has coached Five years ago, I don't think it gets close to the three years that Guardiola was the manager. It's just not as good. And yet they can still beat Dortmund 6-0. That's what I mean. The Bundesliga, is, the rest of the league has dropped off so far that Bayern are walking the league. But I don't think it's because they're so good this year. Okay. I did think that one Bayern player came out with a bit of pride, and that was uh, Javi Martinez. Javi Martinez is a different footballer under your pankers. It was probably the best defensive midfielder in the world when they won the treble five years ago. He's played a lot at centre-back under Guardiola. He's gone back into centre midfield and he's in the right place constantly. He picks the right pass constantly. He's unbelievable. And he wasn't in the Spain squad Mm. a couple of weeks ago, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was hoping you'd have an answer for that, but I don't think anybody has an answer for that. Julian Lopetegui, maybe. Is that the last we see of Juan Bernat in a Bayern jersey? It really should be. Yes. Okay, <laughs> very yes. good. He's, he's, they've already told him. He, he doesn't want to stay there. They've already told him he can leave in the summer. Oh, okay. They played Rafinha at left-back when Alab got injured against Dortmund instead of having Bernat on the bench. <laughs> so, they'll be signing a left-back. There might be a sense of regret from Sevilla, though. Definitely. The Bayern, first half Bayern an hour. There. The first half an hour, they were all over him. They could have been a couple of goals up. Bayern's home record in the Champions League is unbelievable and Sevilla aren't going to go there and get anything. But if they've gone one, two goals up going into the game, then they might have had a chance. So you don't think they'll do it at the Allianz? Unfortunately not. I don't Uh, really hold much hope for them. Okay. As for Roma, you have to feel a bit sorry for them. They scored three at the Camp Nou and still come away with a defeat. (laughs) (laughs) Two things I'd like to say about this. It was a extremely muted performance from the Catalans. They weren't in some good. ways, oh, yeah. Okay. I just think under Valverde, they're not, you know, the swashbuckling, tiki-taka side we, we've come to expect in the last, you know, decade. I think he was the same at Athletic. They're just very, his sides are very functional. You know, he often sets up in a 4-4-2. He likes to get the ball forward quickly and usually it's more through peppering the goal than you know, sort of dancing around the 18-yard box where they will do damage. And I think it took them a few weeks to get used to that, but now it it works. You know, like Real Madrid have found the formula with th- that particular 11, you know, mm-hmm. with Isco and the midfield being so good. 
this is Barcelona's formula now um, with with Suarez up front, you know, and, you know, they have, I think it's just all about getting the ball up to the forwards quickly. And like you said, it might have seemed a bit muted, but that's just how they, how they manage it these days. And, you know, when you've got quality like that in your side, it will tell eventually. I mean, Roma, they're a good side. Um, they have some good players. You say Bio Di Francesco is, is very... You know, as a good young manager, but it was just too much for them in the end. And okay. you know, the one goal is is an accomplishment in itself, I think. De Rossi with the finish of the night? Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. I don't think he could have put that any better. Was that the first one? That was the first, yeah. was the first yeah. goal, yeah. Good finish, that, wasn't, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, I wouldn't normally waste our time on the Europa League, but we do have two Arsenal affiliates in this studio today. So anything... We wouldn't usually waste our time on it. <laughs> but we're in it this year. Is there anything you would like to say about the Europa League before we take a quick musical sting? It's Game very, against Siska tonight? It's, it's Arsenal's first uh, European quarterfinal since 2010. And it's quite difficult to be really interested in it, to be <laughs> honest. As sad as that sounds. Didn't we say last night that the Europa League is like the sort of the hip competition? In I, I think, I think I, yeah, I think Arsene Wenger has over the years gained the respect of everyone in European football and I think it's notable that the likes of Atletico Madrid and Napoli and Dortmund decided to join him in the Europa League this year and make <laughs> it possibly the true elite competition in European football. So it's the Man City are in there next year. So <laughs> It's the hipster football competition. Apparently so, yeah. Well, I was at a wedding recently and I got called a football hipster. So maybe I should be Spot watching. On, yeah, maybe I should be watching that tonight. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick uh, musical thing and we'll come back and talk some Premier League. Okay, so we got a question in from a listener. My name is Marcus and I'm from the DMV. That's the DC, Maryland, Virginia <laughs> metropolitan area. Not the, uh, not the place where Patty and Selma work. Uh, <laughs> I love the podcast. Your team is crack. Please don't change it. No chance of that. We're far too lazy. <laughs> Sorry, uh, crack? Crack. What, like, like Irish, very addictive? Like great crack. No, I feel, yeah. As in, I'm going with the drug. Oh, okay. <laughs> crack. Yeah. I thought that was like a shout out to your Irishness. No, well, he spelt it. He spelled C- it like he spelt it C R A C K. Who we to argue? Yeah, yeah. If he's or like a crack team, are we like like they say like a crack team of investigators? Oh, like the no team says crack yeah. team. <laughs> they did like how he fist pumped for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we're the A team. No, okay, the, the, the B team. Yeah, the B team. Uh, a five out of five rating does not do the pot justice. So, yeah, well, thanks for this, Marcus. Yeah, does. Marcus does actually have a question. Uh, he's writing in to ask, which keeper would you choose to defend a penalty if it was to save your life? Not Petr Cech. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay, not Petr Cech. No. The, the answer is Diego Alves. Yeah, that's the one. Diego Alves. Was, he's a flamenco now, but he was at Valencia. I think Perth transfer marked, 25 penalty saves and 30 conceded in his career. Ooh. Saved two from Ronaldo. He saved a penalty from Messi. He's the man. In to change the question around a little bit, what if you had to choose a player to take a penalty to save your life? We've actually done this on the podcast before. Did we do you, this before? While you were away, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the answer is Yaya Torre. <laughs> so you don't listen to the podcast when you're off. <laughs> I was probably on my honeymoon, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, I think you were. Yeah. Okay, that's that's. Um, <laughs> Yaya Torre sounds like a fair answer. I would have gone for Mario Balotelli. 
I wouldn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> he definitely missed it just for a laugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My life is not worth that much, Mario. <laughs> now, it's a big weekend in the Premier League with two massive clubs facing each other for the pride of the city for bragging rights, for the chance to walk into Monday with their head held high. But enough about Liverpool v Everton. Mm. There's also the small matter of Manchester United v Manchester City. Dan, are you going to the game? I certainly am, yeah. Ooh. My second game of the season. Yeah, such right. a glory hunter. So, were Manchester City to win the league at home against Manchester United, would it be bigger than everything ever? No, definitely oh, okay. not, no. And it wouldn't be bigger than that Aguero goal? No, 100% no. I mean, it would, it is so you're saying a... winning the league against your biggest rivals, your noisy neighbours, wouldn't be that big a deal it would be a big deal I mean it's a once in a lifetime opportunity but it was a source of some debate amongst me and my city mates recently about this they were saying if you do you have a whatsapp group we do yeah okay we do what's it called um, I can't say you can't say okay it's not broadcastable I guess <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we were saying if you, if you had to choose between one would you rather beat Liverpool in the Champions League or, or beat United to win the title and I said it's got to be Liverpool in the Champions League as far what? as I'm concerned I mean we're going to win the league anyway aren't we whether it happens this week or next week or the week after it's mm. going to happen now um, so it would be it would be nice to sort of rub United's fans noses in it and um, but I don't think it's the, the be all and end all really Okay, is Pep really going to play a weekend side? Well, I mean, that was the talk ahead of the the first leg of the Liverpool game, but um, you know that, that tie is pretty much dead and buried now, isn't it? So, I think City probably do need a, a morale boost this week. That's exactly um, what I was going to say. City yeah. really needs to to get a shot in the arm after yeah, that. Yeah. Surely he has to go full out for it. Yeah, I think he probably will now. Yeah, I think if the if if the Liverpool tie had been a bit more in the balance, then he he might have, um, you know, maybe taken uh, Danilo in or, or someone like that and Ilkay Gundogan might have played in midfield instead of Fernandinho and stuff like that but yeah I think he's got to go all guns blazing now and try and win the league Okay Any other talking points from a Manchester City perspective? Um, I don't think so no It's no. Uh, Yeah Well I'm it, I also think this is well, it's obviously an important game for Manchester City because they mm. want to win the they want to win the league I think it's a really big game for Jose Mourinho Perhaps even bigger. Am I wrong? I mean, what's he? If he, if he wins, what does he really sort of? No, achieve? but to lose the, the to lose the title mm. to Man City, it will that, like, that's embarrassing for him. For a man who who has such a very particularly crafted public image, shall we say? Mm. It's a formality that City win the league anyway. So that's true. But I mean, it, in I, this I, game. I think, I think he would probably just paint it as, well, you know, it's just how the fixture list fell. It, this, if this was the 37th game, I think that's a different thing altogether. Mm-hmm. Like, then it's bad. Um, but when I mean, City won the league back in December, basically. We won the league when we beat United at Old Trafford, basically, I think. We went eight points clear that day and there was no looking back after that. Was that really. December, January time? November. Yeah. Oh, well... <laughs> <laughs> Someone was confident. <laughs> yeah. How do we see uh, Mourinho setting out his team for this one? Defensively? <laughs> do you not think he'll go out and attack? I think they'll choose their moments. I, they have to get the ball first. Um, I've, I think Guardiola's City, two years in a row, have played Man United off the park at Old Trafford. So the idea that Man United are going to be able to strangle much of the ball away from them, away from home, is a bit fanciful for me. Okay. I mean, I think if Mourinho's watched that game against Liverpool, 
I mean, pressing. City don't like pressing, do they? And not every team is capable of, of pressing like Liverpool can, but I think United have got the players that can do it. So I think that's got to be something they've got to try and do. They can't just sit back and because City will just play around you eventually. Um, I mean, they, they weren't able to do it in the second half at Anfield, but I can't see them uh, you know, being kept at bay for much longer. There's an amazing stat I meant to tell you about that, um, about that game at Anfield. It was the first time City had failed to direct a single shot on target in a game since October 2016, mm. which was against Man United. In That's right, yeah, League Cup, yeah. Pep out. <laughs> it's interesting. I was, I'm, I'm interested to get your kind of thoughts on this, actually. Do you think that this sort of, let's assume City have gone out of the Champions League now, do you think this sort of puts a huge dent in their credentials as the best team in Europe and, and all this sort of thing? I mean, obviously they're not the best team in Europe, but they don't win the Champions League, are they? But what, uh, what, what do you think? I, I don't know. I, on their day... I still think Manchester City are actually probably comfortably the best Premier League team ever. Ever? Um, yeah. <laughs> Your eyes have popped wide open. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of at least two things come to mind. The Man United treble team. Yeah, but so... Arsenal's Invincibles. So this is what I meant earlier, like fine margins, is Arsenal's Invincibles were the Van Nistelrooy penalty. Like, those are incredible achievements, but Arsenal's Invincibles were two inches away from not ever having that and Man United's treble team two minutes away yeah. from not ever having that and needed extra time and, and they did it Yeah, they did do it but I think on their day I think if you put Man City's 11 on the pitch against the Invincibles against the treble team I think they were the treble team's points tally was horrendous mm. they snuck the league in on a points tally that now would get you fifth place I think City have already surpassed their points tally haven't well, they? I mean Six it is interesting that, and I think that's a yeah, no, I think that, how many games did they lose in the league five six that season I, I winning the treble is an incredible achievement it never happens it, it's like the only time in English football it barely ever happens anywhere and there is full credit deserved for that same as going unbeaten for an entire season but that doesn't make them a better football team Wow. He's hoping to count words here, hasn't yeah. he? I, I, I mean, I'm shocked. Coming from an Arsenal fan too. Yeah, I think I think winning the the league. They've unbeaten, not, not even won a league yet. <laughs> I know, but I, no, I think Arsenal won more the, leagues. The than league them. unbeaten is um, is obviously a historic achievement. But if you put City's eleven on the pitch on a good day against the Invincibles of the treble team on a good day on the pitch, I think City win. Wow. And if City do smash the points total this season, the record points total, which is the wrong course to do, does that make them the best Premier League team ever? Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily the right criteria. <laughs> I mean, it's so... That's the question, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's very relative. And speaking of best ever, Alan Pardew. <laughs> <laughs> is I mean, that it? <laughs> I, mean, yeah, but, I mean, any parting words for Alan? Goodbye, don't come back. <laughs> Will we ever see him in a Premier League managerial position ever again? Somehow. Yeah. Someone will get desperate. What? Someone will get desperate. I mean, anyone who, tested. who's considering hiring him has got to read that article. It was in the Express and Star, the West Bromwich local paper the other day. I, mm. I know you read it because I saw you tweeted about it. Um, Alan, some of the stuff Alan that was lost in his wallet and phone on a night out. Lost his wallet and phone. <laughs> um, oh, there was so much stuff in there, wasn't there? When he was asking that, that young lad whose name escapes me, is it Sam Fielding? Fielding? I think it yeah, might be, I yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, when he was asking him if he was shitting himself before the City game, he kept asking him over and over again in the dressing room. And <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> he will. Yeah, really. yeah. I, I think any team that's bored of being in mid-table should appoint Alan Pardew for like the last 10, 15 games of next season. Like where Watford are right now. Just get yeah. Pards in for 10 games, spice things up a bit. Keep a bit of 
Yeah. Bit of love in the relationship, you know, keep a bit of spice in there. I love I like that it. you're supposed to have rang Gary Megson up, who took charge of West Brom for like two games after Tony Pulis got sacked, and they, I think they drew one and won one, or maybe they drew both. Yeah, I think they drew and both. And supposed to have said, oh, there's my new manager bounce gone, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Those two points meant a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's all from us today. My thanks to Dan, Lewis, Philip, and producer Phil for the last time. He tells us it's the last time. Damo, we look forward to having you back next week. <laughs> and thanks to you for listening.